0: Flow Bowling presents Sweep the Rack podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike. Rob, what's good, homie? Mike, what's happening? Just flew in from Vegas last night from bowling the True Amateur Tournament and the USBC National Tournament.
1: Alright, so kick it off, tell us about your experience Oh, well
0: uh, I'll talk a little bit About how I bowled Uh, Didn't really bowl that well this week Just needed a crowbar to get it off my hand Uh, I was kind of struggling with my uh, Hand just swelling up a lot And just felt like I just had No feel in the ball, couldn't get it out of my thumb Uh, Just Had a just tough time of it When I did uh, throw the ball good though I did have some success Uh, Shot about six twenty five in team, uh with a one eighty the last game, had some opportunity to make that a big set. And then uh singles and doubles, I just kinda bowled real bad. I mean five, I think seventy eight in doubles and like five forty in singles. I think it was like seventeen hundred in all events, which is about minus a hundred for the, the nine games. And I'm not happy at all with it, Mike. I really if I was throwing the ball anywhere Close to what I'm capable of. I, I should have at least been even for the tournament, but they were hard. Okay, and how about at uh, the Tat? The Tat, I had some success in the VIP, bowl, 277 on one of the squads and made uh, a decent amount of money in brackets uh, and bowled two times in the main event, uh, shot 642 one squad and missed by about eight pins, and the other squad was about 600. Uh, kind of made a mistake because I bowled singles and doubles on the Saturday, which were all the low scores were shot. And uh, I didn't bowl anything after the two squads. So I really wanted to bowl another squad. I just couldn't do it after bowling six miserable games at the USBC tournament. Uh, so, you know, the TAT was good. It was a good tournament as always. But I do have a really, really great story that happened to me within about two hours of bowling this tournament that I really want to share.
1: Well, I mean, you bowl during an earthquake
0: two earthquakes actually. We had one earthquake at the USBC tournament when I was bowling and then one while we were bowling. the. Uh, I believe I was in the main event and uh, first time for that. And then for it to happen two times in three days uh, was pretty, uh, you know, scary, but kind of crazy all in like one swoop. Uh, one guy actually threw the ball during the earthquake before we realized what was happening in the ball went 60 feet. Not sure if he threw a bad or the earthquake. I actually affected the ball rolling down the lane. Uh, I don't really know if that's physical, like what the physics of it is, but I don't really ever remember that ever happening. So, yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Mike, let me. I got to tell you this quick story. So, I was bowling this squad, and uh, there was a guy who was bowling with us, and uh, I think he was kind of a little bit loopy. Just he seemed like he was on some pain meds and. Just real strange, kind of talking to everybody, but it wasn't making any sense. And uh, so we're bowling, and I'm trying to kind of avoid him. He just keeps coming over and, like, talking to me, and I c- couldn't hear what he was saying, and he was just gibberish. And uh, I'm not really sure how he was even bowling, but he was. He actually, one shot, he uh, swung the ball, and uh, the, he let go of it, and the ball went backwards. So uh, probably put a lot of people's lives in danger while he was bowling, but that's not the story story is after the squad was over uh he looks at me and he says hey can you can you help me uh, out and and do it and do me a favor i'm like okay what do you need he's like can you bring my bowling balls to my bag and i'm like kind of a strange request and there was a a younger kid who was bowling with me at the time and he kind of looked at me like i was strange you just pulled two games and now you tell me like you can't put your balls in your bag mike i'm a man of the people you know i'm hey look Guy, he needed help. I'm gonna help him. So I said, like, okay, no problem. Let me put my stuff away. So I put my stuff. I come back down. He's like, these two balls. I'm like, all right. So I grab these two balls. We finished on like 19 and 20. Our stuff was on the last pair, like 51 and two. His stuff was. So I grab the two balls and I just literally walk with, with, like with him down to his bags. And I look, ask him, hey, which one is your bag? And he says that the the, the triple bag over there. I'm like, okay. So I take the the, the balls, I put them on the chair, I open up the bag, I put the balls in the, in, in the two ball slots that were available in his bag and uh, I, after I put them out, he he looks at me with a serious face and he looks at me and he says hey, you put them in the wrong slots, man I went, what? He's like, yeah you put those balls in the wrong slots, the Columbia is supposed to be in the middle one and the Hammer is supposed to be in the third one and I looked at him, no shit and we're like, I was shocked, like, hey, thanks, man I appreciate that, that was awesome of you No, I put him in the wrong slots, Mike. So I literally picked the ball up, I handed it to him, and I said, do it your fucking self, (laughs) word for word, and I walked away.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. well, we all have our idiosyncrasies about our bowling stuff, I guess, right? But that's kind of odd since you helped me out. Personally, I probably would have rolled the ball back down, all the balls back down the concourse and then told him, well, go ahead. You can put them back however you want now. You know, the creepy thing about it is, is I was,
0: uh, I was telling, um, I think it was uh, uh, Mike Albert's story. And uh, while we were talking, I was telling the story and he was just like sitting there, like staring at me, like in the concourse, this was probably like the next day and just really like creepy. Like he was in like, you know, I don't, I don't want to like say exactly like what he looked like or, or whatever, but he was just sitting there, like just staring at me, like, I, I, I was kind of a little bit freaked out like of this guy. Um, and I think he was kind of annoying, like the tournament directors and stuff, but man, all, all the, all the fun, the fun bowlers come out the true amateur tournaments, boy, it's, it's always a good time.
1: Yeah. We're going to get into that a little bit later tonight for the people, but uh, Rob, did you ref for sweep the rack or what? Yeah, I did, man. I was fun
0: talking to a lot of people out there uh, that enjoy the podcast came over to me, said that how much they enjoy listening to it. And, uh, you know, got a lot of love, man, a lot of support from the people out there, and, you know, it just makes me want to do it more. It makes me want to uh, get, you know, get into some some more, I don't know, kind of interviews and, and kind of do some different things with the show, so, you know, definitely was a, a a motivating factor for me just talking to people about how much they enjoyed and how there's nothing out there like it, like us, um, and, you know, hey, Mike, it's just great. It's great to hear, like, seriously, all the support that we're getting out there, and I at least had about five to eight people come over to me and we're like, yo, this show is amazing. Keep doing what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And it was nice to see uh, to see the Sweep the Rack uh, name up on the USBC board there. I know you tweeted it out. And uh, just to put it out there, you know, I threw the challenge out on Twitter. You know, doubles match. Dub, we're all about the action on Sweep the Rack. Action, doubles match. Me and Rob call out any other combination of of bowling uh, bowling commentators, bowling podcasters any doubles match that wants to go down. So let us know. You know, we're down for that. Not YouTubers, though, Rob. We want to make that clear, right? We want to make that that exception clear. Yeah, I tweeted that out. Uh, We'll call out any bowling bowling podcasters, but no YouTubers allowed. Okay, yeah, I bowled the tournament myself this weekend. Uh, Had a little free time on Sunday, and there was this little uh, local event going on. Uh, for the New Jersey Sport Bowling uh, Club, I guess you could call it, run by a young man named Greg Tack. I mentioned his name a couple times before. He runs a lot of events in this area, sport events in this area. And, uh, yeah, I went and bowled it, and uh, I, I had a good look to start. And, actually, a friend of the podcast, Matt O'Grady, was sitting behind me. He had already made the cut. He was watching the squad. And he said, man, you, you got the best look I've seen all day in the building. And that gave me some confidence. And then I came out of the gate 2-8-10, 2 1st ten, two, ten, two frames. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, that you know, that kind of tells you how the rest of my day went. But uh, I enjoyed myself. I had a good time. I had a real tough cross, which, uh, yeah, I think is something that uh, I might comment on later when we discuss these amateur tournaments. But, uh, yeah, I had a real tough cross that made things extremely hard on me and uh, didn't bowl very well. But Matt O'Grady ended up winning the tournament. So shout to him and uh, shout to Greg Tack for running a good event. You know, if anybody in the East Coast, you know, if you're interested in getting involved in sport bowling, challenging yourself a little bit, I can definitely tell you that all of his events will present a challenge. There's no question about that. Rob, th- this kid, he runs events, and, and he purposely makes them gruelingly hard for people. Like this pattern was one-to-one 38 feet this weekend. So, yeah, they were, I mean, they were ultra tough. And uh, I enjoy bowling on that stuff. But, yeah, sometimes I think it gets a little silly. What are your thoughts? You know, I saw Matt O'Grady's post about I think he averaged 192
0: for like the 11 games and won the tournament, which is pretty incredible. Uh, thoughts, though, just coming from the USBC tournament, uh, I feel like, you know, if it depends on your audience and how many pe- people are showing up and if people keep coming back for those tournaments, then I'm all about it. I'm, I support it. The USPC tournament, though, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of things I would change, and, and uh, if, you know, if anybody at the USPC is listening to this that has the option to change, I feel like there are some changes that the tournament could make to make the tournament better. Uh, you know, I love that tournament; the traditions great, and you know, I've been bowling it for for almost probably 20 years now, uh, and they, you know, they're just ridiculously hard at that tournament, and uh, you know, I don't know if I uh, want to get into those changes that, you know, we would want to make on that tournament. But I do feel like that I, I kind of need to vent a little bit on
1: those changes. Uh, and, yeah, and maybe uh, of- maybe we'll maybe we'll get into that. at, a, at a- I think honestly think that's a, a, a good topic for a future episode where we have a little bit more time for it. But yeah. uh, I guess it translates to Rob wants to be able to strike a little bit more. Is that it?
0: No, it's just pretty much uh well it's always about that. You know, I'm I'm a weekend warrior now if even if I'm bowling and you know, I don't wanna bowl on nine games of, of absolute brutal shot when I'm, you know on vacation, I guess.
1: <laughs>
0: so yeah, uh I definitely wanna strike more. How about
1: that? That's the easy answer. Okay. All right, but we're gonna we're gonna put that on our docket for a future episode. But, uh, Rob, moving forward, a lot going on in the bowling world this week uh, that we want to talk about a little bit, get the people caught up on. Uh, Another thing that we're going to have to uh, push to a future episode to really get into the way you and I want to, and, Rob, I know this is definitely at the top of our list of things that we want to discuss. In fact, I would say this issue is probably the, the single issue that most contributed to the start of this podcast. Would you agree with that? junior Olympic gold. That is, we've been talking about
0: that segment for ye- for years. I mean, years, right. About talking about, and just on social media too. So yeah, I, I kind of definitely say a lot of it's contributed to your, uh, fire passion or, or, or what, what is it more of, uh,
1: my my, argu- uh, my argumentative nature.
0: Yes, argument of nature about Junior Olympic gold and what they could be doing differently, I guess, right? Uh, with their Yeah, talent. so
1: uh, Junior Olympic gold's coming up next week. I know a lot of the uh, regular tour guys are leaving uh, late this week to, to head out there and greet the bowlers. And, you know, they have a, an awesome set of festivities before the tournament. There's no doubt about that. But, Rob, the, the big news is again, yet again, Rob, it's a record field of participants yet again. Like what are
0: they, what are they estimating Like, how many kids are going to be out? there? Oh,
1: I don't even know. I lost track. We're not going to get into it now, but for however many years in a row, record number of participants. Uh, so yeah, you know, obviously that's a, that's a, a must must pay attention to on the bowling calendar. You know, everybody always wants to see what's going on with junior gold. So have that coming up next week. You know, we'll put that on people's radars. Uh, Rob PBA league action is right around the corner, dog. Yeah, I'm definitely, this is the most excited I've been just due to
0: the fact that I will be in Portland, Maine, uh, Sunday. So, uh, I'm going to get to experience what you've experienced a few times. So, uh, get, you know, that's something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to.
1: Oh yeah, man. Live shows late at night. You know, I, I, I like, I like the, uh, the possibilities here. You know, especially now that we're we're out of that more serious bowling for a hundred thousand dollars environment, and now we're getting into the, you know, we're still bowling for something serious. You know, everybody appreciates the competition, but there's not that kind of uh, immense pressure on the line for a winner or a loss. So, you know, really looking forward to that. Rob, we're we're working on putting a preview episode together for the people. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like what we did for the hundred thousand um, dollar
0: you know, tournament a few weeks ago in Portland, Maine. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, everyone look out for that. So that, you know, that'll be exciting to talk to maybe hopefully some of the teams or some of the coaches or, you know, anybody who really wants to come on and talk to about
1: the, uh, you know, the Elias cup. Yeah. So if you're one of those people and you listen to our podcast, email us, sweep the racket, Gmail, hit us up. We would love to have you on if you want to be a part of our preview show uh rob pba 50 action starting back up this week uh they have their final stretch of the season season and the final stretch opens up with the pba 50 river city extreme open in uh monticello minnesota walter ray rob he's still out there setting every record still still killing shit how tired of these guys must be of walter ray
0: i mean if you're if you were bowling the tour and you were trying to uh you know compete, and you had to go through and bowl Walter Ray and Norm Duke. Uh, Wouldn't you be tired
1: of them kicking your ass all over the lanes? Oh, my goodness. I mean, he just just keeps winning. So uh, his next win will will solidify him as the winningest uh, PBA 50 player ever. Right now, he's tied with John Handegard, and uh, yeah, the next win will put him over the top, and uh, he's almost a lock for player of the year this year for PBA 50. I mean, I believe Amleto Monicelli is like 10,000 points behind him in terms of, uh, you know, tournament, tournament point accumulation. So yeah, I mean, he's just killing it, man. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. I I always love watching the, the legends bowl, Rob, like some of those step ladders in the PBA 50 events are, are some of the best step ladders you could ask for. I mean, you'll have, matchups like norm duke pete weber walter ray pete weber norm duke uh, walter ray and leto monicelli against any of those guys i mean just the the quality of bowlers that are out there and that make those shows i really enjoy those stepladders i encourage people check them out if you haven't i mean it's really something to see nostalgia it's almost like you know and i hate to compare it to
0: wrestling but it's like when you see hulk hogan you know fight against Uh, You know, I don't know whoever sting for one last time, you know, but these are guys that are still on a a high competitive level, you know, that are doing it. And, you know, I do want to make a point. I love the fact that they're going to some city that I've never heard of in Minnesota. I feel like that's really important in bowling is for like the PBA to be uh, going to some of these cities that, you know, maybe essentially never really had bowling before, uh, and uh, it's important to get try to get out there and get us around the country as much as possible to 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 spread, how, you know, the, the 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 success of PBA, because these guys, you know, everybody wants to go see Walter Ray and Norm Duke Bowl and, you know, in a, in a little city like Minnesota, they might not have ever had a chance to
1: do it before. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, teen Masters concluded this week, Rob. Uh, the winners, Julian Michael Salinas of Texas on the boy side and uh, Hannah Diem of Florida on the girls' side. Uh, so shout to them on the win. You know, obviously that's a prestigious event. You know, feel feels good to get that title going into junior gold, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, obviously people will be following them to see, to see where they go. The youth masters, as we discussed last week, Rob, a lot of talent has come out of that tournament. So I, I almost feel like if you win that event, it almost – you know, puts a, n- not a target on you, but a, a set of eyes on you. Everybody wants to see what you're going to do from that point forward. Sure. It also, it also helps you.
0: I would imagine with uh college, uh you know, bowling, especially on the women's side, when
1: they give in scholarships for the NCAA, oh. you know, book it, book it. I mean, you win that event, book it, book a scholarship for real, you know, so shout, shout to the girls for particularly a lot of pressure out there, you know, when, when you're bowling for that kind of exposure. So, uh, you know, Definitely uh, shout to those guys on their win. Rob, one interesting thing that I saw on Flow Bowling from the Youth, youth Masters was uh, Parker Bones' son uh, bowling a match where he switched between one-handed and two-handed. Mine is blown, Mike. I mean,
0: it's evolving. It's taking a life of its own right now.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I, I had when I coached high school for quite a while, I had at least two bowlers that come to mind who were really one handed bowlers and were also really good two handed bowlers. Now, at the time, I mean, this was, you know, several years ago, so I, I wasn't really schooled in the two handed style and I, I didn't really encourage them to go that route. Um but yeah, I, I definitely have seen that before. But yeah, interesting to see somebody doing it at that high of a level. You know, I mean, to me, it says, wow, you must practice a lot to be really good at at both of those and be confident enough to use them. So that was just something else that uh that we saw that was that I saw that was kind of interesting. So just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, Rob, there was a lot of regional action this weekend in the PBA. And, uh, you know, you and I, we follow everything, you know, we got our eyes on as much as we can anyway. And, uh, you know, we saw some interesting regional action in the PBA grand casino hotel resort Southwest doubles open presented by deviate. So uh, we wanted to reach out and and bring on the winners and, and talk to them, Rob, because it seemed like it was a good event and had a, you know, a good, good finale, good conclusion. Last two matches looked really good. So uh we're we're gonna bring those guys on tonight and uh discuss their win. And that is uh AJ Chapman and Mitch Hoopy. Some young
0: some young guys that are looking to uh make names for themselves on the PBA tour. You know, definitely two guys in, 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 in I'd say even less than five years. I'd probably say the next like three years you know, we, I expect to see them on shows and, and actually, st- you know, starting to win titles, but I'd be interested to hear what they say on how they've been adjusting to the PBA tour life and how that's been, uh, you know, since they've uh, left um, the college uh, circuit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's welcome them on here. All right. So as we said tonight, we're welcoming on uh, AJ Chapman and Mitch Hoopy. Uh, we're welcoming welcoming them on because they won a double, doubles regional this weekend uh aj has been on tour for a few years uh he finished third in the chameleon championship uh lost a bit jason belmonte in the semifinal match in that tournament and uh finished fifth in the pba players championship uh for which is a major so has a has a show in a major Uh, as a rookie in 2017 he had a best tour finish of fifth which was in the players championship and uh, has has had a few other cuts made and shows made along his career. Uh, Mitch is a member of Team Canada and has had a lot of success on the international scene, uh, bowling for his country. Uh, both these guys are, are Wichita State alums, Rob. So we always love talking to these Wichita State guys for sure.
0: Yeah, sure. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the program. And I, I know there's some things that have been changing there the last uh, – year or so so we'll hopefully can get into that a little bit
1: yeah sure and I believe Rob that we're also uh going to see both of these guys bowling in the PBA league for the first time this year so uh I think it'll be really interesting to uh to talk to them about that and uh you know obviously a lot of eyes are going to be on that event and a lot of fans are going to be tuned in there so uh yeah we definitely want to welcome them on and we're excited to welcome them on uh AJ Mitch how are you guys how's it going congrats on your win this weekend Thank you. Uh, great. <laughs> you guys must be good <laughs> friends to start talking to, over each other at the first uh question we ask. But uh yeah, AJ, you go first. <laughs> Tell us about your win this weekend, man. Uh it was
2: a lot of fun. Um you know, they we rolled on the forty two foot, I think it's Mark Ross pattern. It's uh uh one of the little bit softer PBA patterns, so the scores are pretty good in qualifying. We were fortunate to to strike a bunch, uh, both days. and You know, we caught a caught a pretty tough team in the semis bowl, and you know, Stu and and Chris Barnes. Um, so it was pretty cool to to you know show up against the big dogs and and end up taking
3: them down and and you know, throw some strikes when we need to. So,
1: Mitch, what do you have to add to that, man?
3: Uh, yeah, not much. Um, AJ and I the whole together for a few events, and uh, I guess we had some, uh, you know, lesser Um, Finishes in previous events, so we had some, uh, I guess, a monkey off our back, and uh, to win is awesome.
0: Hey, go ahead, Rob. Sorry, Mike. Let me jump in real quick. Um, Did uh, did you guys bowl for Wichita? Did did that help with with the doubles, like the communications? I I know that program is real big in communicating during games on, uh, you know, adjustments and ball choices. Uh, Would you say bowling for Wichita kind of helped that? Um, you, you guys communicate more than you'd say a normal team of two just pros bowling with each other?
2: Uh, I would say, yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, we got to bowl together in college for three years. So we got to know each other pretty well, obviously, and uh, bowling together a lot uh, definitely helps with communication and learning each other's game and, you know, how to adjust and stuff. So I'd, I'd say it played a pretty big factor.
0: Hmm. Let me follow up here real quick because here's – here's a funny little tidbit is uh, I bowled with Bill O'Neill in college for Saginaw Valley for three years. And uh, yep. I used to lead off and I used to give him the read, every new pair we used to go on, I used to give him the read. So I would always start with an 18. I would always split and then tell Bill that it was a three board move left. And then he would move three and strike. And then the next lane, I would get up, I would two, eight ten, and then tell him that this lane's the same or tighter. And then he'd, Stay the same or tighter, tighter, and then he'd start with a double, and I'd start with an eighteen. So technically, I was giving Bill about thirty pins of handicap every game. So
1: (laughs) is that that it? That's your story, just to brag about that. I mean, what are they? What are they supposed to say in response to that? I guess you're asking them, is that the case with them? I don't. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Okay, whatever direction you want to go with that. Who let
0: off? <laughs> Who was the one giving the reads uh, when you guys bowl for college?
3: Uh, through college, I was typically higher up in the lineup. Um, this weekend, I uh, went second in um, the qualifying, and then we kind of went vice versa in the, the match play just because I just think AJ has more experience in that spot. And, I mean, throughout college, he was usually our four or five.
0: Do that, Mike. Okay. It's, it's tough. It's tough being the read guy. And let me tell you, it's tough being the read guy. Yeah, yeah that little I was,
2: spot is definitely a tough one. The tough one to be, and you know, you gotta you're almost sacrificing your shot, you know, to to give a better read to the team. But it's also super important to have that guy up there to give those reads. Otherwise, you know, the team the whole team suffers because of it. So,
0: Mike, you hear that, Mike? We, we were the reason why we were winning is because of me. So just <laughs> throwing. The... <laughs> I guess and, yeah, I, I guess mean, that's just,
3: uh, a lot of emphasis on the the bowler going to that next pair to to throw a, a quality shot and an accurate shot to give a read to the next person because if they throw a, a shot way too fast and they throw a ten and they think automatically the pair is tighter, um, it kind of leaves them in a hole for the next two or three frames until they realize that it wasn't actually that much tighter.
1: Yeah, right. or eight frames, and then you shoot yeah, one thirty. Yeah. Yeah. Very no, true. It's, uh, very very honestly. True. It's it's very true, though, because uh, even, even bowling tournaments and stuff, you know, when, you, when you're when you on a pair with somebody and you're following somebody who you know is good and knows what's going on, you know, and they go up and throw what you can identify as a good shot and it doesn't strike, you, you, it automatically gives you an idea of what's going on for sure. So, uh, you know, it's a fair point. I'm not, not going to take it as far as Rob's taking it. It's taking credit for people's good bowling because uh, they're at the leadoff spot. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. So, uh, you guys mentioned – when you talked about the uh, the tournament this weekend, that man, these guys took down some killers. These guys took down some killers in the semifinal match, Rob. They took out a team composed of Chris Barnes and Stu Williams, and these guys have been bowling a lot lately, and they've been bowling quite well, as you might say. So, so Rob, they took down some killers, guys. That had to feel great.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, obviously growing up, you know, everybody was watching. That's kind of in our age group was our age group was looking up to Chris Barnes. So to you know be able to bowl with him and to bowl against him and even to beat him a couple times in that situation is is a uh, pretty darn cool because no matter what, there's always going to be your uh, idols. So it's pretty cool to finally say you can compete with them and then even beat them.
1: Mm. Anything to add there, Mitch?
3: Uh, no, it's, it's basically what AJ said. You know, uh, to tell you a story, I, I won a ball raffle, or I guess not a ball raffle, um, a raffle when I was a youth bowler. I think I was probably 13 or 14. And I won a signed Columbia 300 Chris Barnes jersey. And that was probably the best day of my life. And I still have that jersey hanging up in my bedroom at home, at my parents' place. Um, so, yeah, to, to bowl them, to bowl against him ten years later and to, to beat him in a in a regional like that is it's pretty surreal.
0: Would wow would Rob story I, would you would you Mitch would you have been allowed to wear that jersey while you were bowling Chris? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think so because it has his name on the back. But uh I did send him a picture of it I think maybe a year ago asking him how much it was worth and he said it wasn't worth very much, maybe five dollars or so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate uh, uh, Job, the ultimate trolling would be beating his <laughs> barns with a barn sign jersey while you beat him,
1: Mike. <laughs> Not true, very true. So, uh, so guys, was you know we watch a lot of bowling and uh, we had Stu on the show and we know that Stu likes to likes to chirp and likes to talk that shit. You know, was there any uh, was there any chirping going on during the match or what? Was it pretty calm?
3: Yeah, I mean, Stu is definitely one of those guys that. Tries to play a little head game um, as opposed to to Chris maybe, but um, there wasn't too much of it. I feel like um, he did, you know, walk out the occasional bad shot that would strike and then act like um, you know he could miss, but uh, nothing too inappropriate, I would say. Mm. Okay.
2: Yeah, I've I've gotten to know Stu pretty well over the last year. Cause he's the last year or two, he's been in our, our Nationals group. So we've got to do all the, all the side stuff and hang out while we're out there. So we've got to be pretty good friends. And, yeah, obviously we shoot the shit because of how he is too, especially it's kind of British humor. But, um, no, it was actually it was actually pretty tamed down for him. I was kind of expecting a little more. But I think it's just maybe out of a little mutual respect now. Um, I know that with certain guys, I think he, he would be more susceptible to running them out and slapping them off and yelling and kind of trying to get in their head.
1: Yeah, that would probably be you that he's referring to, Rob, in your experience from the from the stories you told us. That's sounds like sounds like he's talking about you. But yeah. uh guys <laughs> Rob Rob mentioned that uh you guys both bowled for Wichita and he alluded to the fact that uh there's some major changes going on in the program right now and uh Coach Vatican has decided to step back and uh retire, I guess is the word that, that you would use officially. Um, and there's some new people coming into the program. So, uh, AJ, you know, you first as, as somebody who bowled for the program for four years and graduated from there, you know, what, what effect do you think this is going to have on the program and how do you see things going forward?
2: Uh, it's, it's hard to really know. Cause I mean, it's, it's a situation that is totally brand new because it's, you know, coach V is, or Vatican has been there for almost the entirety of WSU's, you know, bowling dynasty or whatever you want to call it. I mean, he's been there the whole time. Uh, but I, I will say I'm excited for him and congrats to him on an awesome career. And uh, hopefully he gets to enjoy some time with his family and his his kids and grandkids. But I think going forward, they're in pretty good hands. You know, we got to work with Rick Smith uh, for about a year, I believe. Uh, he came in and started doing some physical lessons with a lot of the guys. And I think they're in really, really good hands. So I think he's he sees... Uh, Physical aspects of the game very very well. I think he's adapted to modern bowling well. I think he's a really good coach, and he's always been one of those guys that's had a super super solid mental game. So I think he can, you know, show the kids that uh, that I don't know the right word for it. I think he can show show the kids and all the all especially the younger kids too, because you know when you go in. Everybody you, you go to Wichita and you think you're you're hot stuff and you know if you're pretty if you're good enough to be on the team. And then you kinda of get a wake up call and I think he's gonna be really good at teaching those kids the way to understand bowling
3: and really be able to take them to the next level.
1: Mitch, what are your thoughts on the changes going down?
3: Uh yeah, it's definitely interesting. Um I think we'd be lying to ourselves if we said that uh it's gonna be, you know, not so different without Coach V there. Um he definitely brought this aspect of the mental game and just team play bowling that um I guess like really led a new age of, of bowling. Um collegially I think we were really ahead of the curve um for the last like ten to fifteen years for sure. Um but yeah, I mean Rick is no doubt an amazing coach. Uh like AJ said, we worked with him for a year or so. Um and he helped us with our physical game stuff and there's no doubt that it's going into, you know, the best possible um, next generation, if you will.
1: Okay. So it sounds like the program's in good hands. Rob, Rick Steelsmith, I mean, one of the best games ever. Would you agree?
0: Absolutely. I uh, used to grow up watching Rick Steelsmith. I remember uh, pretty sure he was a big Brunswick guy growing up. I used to watch him just bowl just great with those Rhino pros, you remember? That teal Rhino pro and that uh, – uh, Pretty dominant. I mean, you know, for for a little bit, he was always he he was a, a pretty regular on the show, right? You know.
1: Yeah, absolutely loved his game. I can I sometimes when I see some of these guys from from Wichita uh, Bowl, it brings me to mind of him. You know, very steady head, very good balance. You know, just great form, great fundamentals. You know, you can almost see that he's had an influence on some people that have come through the program, even if he wasn't you know officially listed as a coach, but. uh yeah. Interesting to see where that goes, but uh, congrats to coach Vatican on a great career, obviously, like you guys said, and uh, you know, shout to him, enjoy, enjoy his retirement and uh, whatever he chooses to do with his time going forward. But obviously you know, as somebody who cultivated that program. You know, you want to leave it in good hands and, and, and see it succeed as even as you uh, step back. So hopefully that's the case, you know, they've been the standard for a while. So we'd all be surprised if that changes. Uh, Mitch, I, I just have to ask you, man, like this regional was in Oklahoma, and you live in Canada supposedly. So, like, were you lost or some shit? Like, how how did you end up well, on this regional?
3: So I actually still live in Wichita, um, and I was marked down as from Wichita for a while. But um, once I started, you know, making cuts and then shows, um, they really wanted me to change my location or hometown to Canada because it was more appealing, I think,
1: to um, the viewers. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Canada is appealing to viewers, Rob. I would not be aware of that. It's, uh, right. it's
3: been international. <laughs> um, and it adds that extra flavor.
1: You know, okay. It's, 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 it's that flavor,
0: international
1: flavor
3: to this.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: exactly.
0: Mike, it's, it's that Dan McClellan following that's going on right now, you know, all that. Mm.
1: I mean, I will say it seems like every every bowler from Canada who comes over here is just like phenomenal. Like all every bowler from Canada comes down they all just like make shows win tournaments it's I I really haven't seen a guy from Canada who hasn't done something of significance so whatever's going on up there they they have some idea uh, both you guys are going to be in the PBA league for the first time this year am I correct yes sir all right so Mitch let's hear your thoughts man you're you're about a week or so away from going up to Bayside and uh, you know being a part of that environment what what are you thinking
3: yeah I don't I don't really know if it's Hit me yet? Um, you know, not only am I going to the league for the first time, but I'm on the hometown team, which is, um, you know, I. To be honest, I really don't know what to expect. You know, I've only seen videos and heard word of mouth from my friends that have bowled it. Um, it just sounds like something out of this world, and uh, I'm gonna enjoy it and, you know, make some memories and look forward to next year.
1: All right, how about you, AJ?
2: Uh, yeah, kind of same situation. You know, you don't really know what to expect because you've only heard heard the rumors and seen the shows and stuff, but you never know what you're going to feel until you're actually in the environment. But uh, I'm, I'm super stoked. You know, i obviously really liked um, bowling college and bowling with a team and as much fun as it is to win singles or doubles. I mean, team stuff is just so much more fun. I mean, it's there. It's way harder to win. You got to have everybody on. And when you win as a team, you just feel like it's so much more rewarding. So I'm super excited to be out there and, uh, and bowl with the Motown muscle.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, I've been up there a few times. I can give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. Uh, expect to drink a lot. Uh, expect (laughs) to have a lot of beverages, expect to have a lot of good times with the bowlers, expect to hear a lot of music. I hope you're into hip hop, especially from like the late nineties era. So, uh, are are either of you guys slated to bowl the pro-am? Uh, I
2: don't think so. No, okay. Yeah, I don't know. All
1: right. Well that that's an experience. Even if you're not bowling, I would suggest going and hanging out. That would be my suggestion. And uh if Rob and I are up there, we'll definitely catch you guys and uh and a beer on us for sure. But uh one one last serious question we have for you guys tonight. And Rob, you know, I wanna say like we I, I heard I heard through the bowling grapevine that we're we're getting accused of going soft, Rob. and and, and not not bringing the people the questions that they really want to hear and you know treating people as if uh you know we're wearing kid gloves over here i personally don't think that's the case but you know i heard through the grapevine that that that's what people are interpreting so you know just to make it clear you know we'll ask the tough questions around here that the people want to know so tonight the tough question we have for you guys is uh you know you're both very good young bowlers you both have um, you know, really accomplished backgrounds up to this point in your career. But you guys have not broken through, you know, that ceiling on the PBA tour of winning and getting over that hump. You know, you've both had some shows and some success here and there. So, A.J., I'll ask to hear from you first. You know, what? why do you think it is that you haven't broken through just yet? Uh, I,
2: For me, and it was, it was a kind of weird situation where I came out in my first national stop as a member – at a major, I made the show. So I, I think that it's not the normal case. I mean, for the most part, it seems like when guys come on tour, they kind of get their head kicked in pretty good for a year or two. Or, you know, they just they might have a little success, but it really takes them adapting. The big thing is the way the lanes break down. It's it's so much different because we bowl on the different oil with the different machines. You know, we a lot of places don't use the Brunswick machines or the Brunswick oil, and it's so much thicker than the Kegel machines' oils or the Kegel oil. And I think adapting to that is um, a lot trickier than people definitely anticipate when they go out. And I think that I'm, you know, I think this year already I've doubled or tripled my earnings for my first two years. So I'm definitely figuring it out. So I think it was just adapting and getting, you know, ready for the experience. And I think it's just um, getting myself exposed, you know, getting some more TV time. Like this last show, you know, even against Belmo, I threw a couple pretty good shots on the line that, unfortunately I didn't fall my way, but uh, if I can keep throwing shots like that when I need to, I think it's going to happen sooner than not.
1: Can we book you for a win by the end of 2020?
2: At the end of 2020? I would I would like to think so. Nice.
1: I like it. All right, fair enough. So, Mitch, what do you think from your perspective? You haven't been out there as long. I know you, haven't, you probably haven't bowled as many events as AJ, but, you know, sure. same kind of situation. You've had some success, so why do you think it's been some success, but not the ultimate success.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really tied into what AJ said. Um, out there is just such it's just such a different environment, um, especially when it comes to the lane pattern. Um, a lot of them end up playing very similarly, which is why I think we see a lot of the same guys out there. There's just so much viscosity in the middle and so much hooked right that um, ball speed is, is such a crucial point. And me as a player that, that typically has a, a firmer ball speed, Um, It just doesn't match up as well up there, and it's something that I've come to learn, and it's hard for me to change what you know you've been doing for the last 14 or 15 years um, of your career. So it's just a very steep learning curve. Um, The the tournaments that I have done well at have mostly been tournaments where they they oil with uh, Kegel machines, so the U.S. Open, the Masters, um, occasional extra frame stops when they used to have them. Uh, So it's just really – it sucks that – I kind of have to take a few steps back in order to succeed on a majority of the patterns out there when they oil the Brunswick machines. But um, it's just a slow process when um, your game is kind of like mine where it has to change uh, that drastically.
0: So let me ask you guys, uh, we like to shoot some quick questions, uh, you know, after uh, we usually do our interviews. So uh, I'm going to do some quick fire questions for both of you. And then uh, just, you know, Kind of just answer whatever the first uh, first thing that comes in your mind. So we'll start with uh, AJ. Uh, if uh, what would you be doing if you weren't bowling for a living?
2: If I wasn't bowling for a living, I I firmly believe that I would have went to school for like architecture or engineering, and I'd be doing something mechanical. I love to to build things and kind of toy around.
0: Mitch, what do you think? What would you be doing if you weren't bowling for a living?
3: Yeah, something similar to that. Um, if I hadn't dedicated so much time in my collegiate career to bowling, I think I would have probably um, done a, a degree in computer science or computer engineering um, and then probably a master's after that. Um, I love computers. I love uh, IT, and that's uh, definitely where my heart is.
1: Mm. Love to hear you guys talk about your education, and I guess that's why you're, uh, your homies with, with my homie, Big J. You know, he got his engineering degree. He's kind of doing what you guys uh, alluded to, what you would be doing if you weren't bowling. So, uh, interesting to hear there. By the way, shout to Big J for setting up the interview tonight. Appreciate that, homie. Yeah,
3: uh, boy. Yeah, no
1: Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a story about Big J. Big J uh, bowled for me in high school for four years. His senior year uh, at the state championships, like in New Jersey, they have a big end-of-the-season event where all the best teams from the state come through. And uh, he started with the front, I think, like 19, and he shot 796 or something like that. It was the second highest series ever uh, in the history of the New Jersey State Tournament. So, you know, uh, he's got his own little resume there. So big shout to him. But, yeah, we appreciate uh, getting you guys for us. Uh, Mitch, this question is strictly for you. We always ask people who the GOAT is, but from you, we want to know who is the GOAT of Canadian bowlers? Who's the
3: GOAT? Uh, you know, Dan McClellan really is my hero. I think he's paved the way for a lot of us. Um, you know, you see myself wow. and Francois and, and Zach out here. Um, I don't know if many of us would have thought it was possible if we didn't see somebody um, like Dan out here trying to trying to do the tour.
1: Hmm. So, a Valley shout, Rob. So
0: quick story about my man, DMAC. So I, I never bowled with DMAC at Saginaw Valley. He came in a year after I graduated, but I was still going for my, you know, fifth year uh, degree, as I call it, a five-year degree. And uh, one day after league, you know, me and Dan were friends, whatever, we were boys. And I said to him, Dan, I want to bowl you best four out of seven for a all-you-can-eat buffet. So he's like, yeah, bet. So I'm like, all right, cool. So uh, he ran over me four games straight. And then I said, "All right, double or nothing on the two buffets." He's like, "Bet." He beat me a fifth. This that kid did do, does not miss when he when he when he is on. He bowled a 600 uh, sweeper at the mini eliminator, I believe, uh, and that was my brother put him in brackets. I think he literally went 300 300 in a sweeper. Man, Dan McClelland is is, is no joke, dude.
3: He's definitely underrated. He is um yeah, like you said, I mean when he's lined up, man, that guy is a machine.
1: <laughs> yeah, no Canadian. doubt. We gotta get him on. We gotta get him on. I like his game too, I agree. I, when he stopped bowling on tour, I was a little bit disappointed. But uh AJ, how about to you? Not not Canadian, obviously. Who's the goat to you? Not
3: Canadian.
2: Uh I don't know if I don't know if I can make the decision. I mean it's it's hard to argue, you know, you got the 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 three big ones with Uh, Walter, Walter, Pete and Earl, but I just, I don't know if I could pick one. I mean, it's it's hard to argue against Walter. I mean, he's got all the titles and he's still racking them up too. So,
1: yeah, we just, we just talked about that, uh, earlier in our show, uh, when we talked about the PBA 50 where, you know, he's, he's still out there crushing it. I mean, he's still winning player of the year awards at, at the PBA 50 level. So yeah, definitely. I understand your point there. Uh, AJ, what's your favorite ball ever?
2: favorite ball ever either a uh, Roto-Grip
3: paywire or a marble pearl
1: okay how about you mitch favorite ball ever
3: you know back in the day i loved the uh columbia eruption but uh it's hard not to say the purple hammer is uh you know the, the goat of balls
1: right now mm, okay interesting all right, AJ, what plugs you got for us? We know you're repping Storm. Uh, what other companies you got who are supporting you out there?
2: Uh, I'm with Storm, with Turbo, uh, Paraly
3: FX, and Bowler X.
1: Okay, all right. And how about you, Mitch? You're you're uh, you're an EBI guy, Columbia guy, yes? Yeah,
3: yeah. Shout out to uh, Columbia 300, Team EBI, um, of course, Vice Inserts. Um, my boy Mark Bufa up in Montreal with Bufa Bowling. Um, and, you know, I'm still looking for a jersey sponsor if anybody's
1: interested. <laughs> All right. Yo, listen up. Listen up. You know, if you want to get at Mitch, you know, Mitch, what's your email, man? Give it out to the people. Oh, I don't know if I want spam, though. <laughs> I don't know how many viewers oh, you
3: get.
1: Spam this is behind a paywall. It's people pay to listen to this. I mean, I know well, it's I'll tell hard you what, to believe. It's pretty but easy.
3: You... I'm, I'm the only Mitch Hupe out there on Facebook, so you can definitely find me out okay. there. It's the guy with the long hair.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, no doubt. Rob, you want to ask him? You want to ask him since he brought up the long hair? Yeah, sure. Uh, the first, when I saw,
0: when I saw you bowling, the first thing I, I, I was wondering is how many people think you look like the guy from Deadpool, the bartender.
3: Oh yeah. Uh,
0: TJ Miller is his name. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, that was the first thing I had to like pull, I had to pull up the Google images and then like, look at your picture, and then look at the bar. I'm like, yo, you guys look a lot
1: alike.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's either him or uh, Elroy Ehrlich from uh, Silicon Valley, which is the same actor, but I get
1: all three of them. Yeah, also the same guy. He was also, yeah. in, uh, he was also in Office Christmas Party. He was awesome in that movie. Yeah, I hope great. to meet him one day. Tro- maybe yeah, if he's no listening,
3: um, maybe he can hit me up too. <laughs>
1: hey you never know you never know we're working on getting people verified on twitter so you know you never know what might happen but uh guys we we want to thank you for the time uh we want to thank you for coming on again congrats on your win this weekend you know when i was going over the results and saw that you guys beat barnes and williams i hit up rob and i said yo i think uh i think we got to have these guys on i think that's a worthy win to uh to talk to these guys and get them on here so shout to you for the win congrats Good luck at the PBA league. Enjoy that environment, fellas. Uh, enjoy bowling up there. It's a, it's a great time. So if we're up there, we'll definitely give you a shout. And uh, again, thanks for the time and coming on.
2: Yeah. Thanks. We really appreciate having us on and, uh,
1: you know, best
2: of
3: luck to you guys in the podcast and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys up in Maine then. No All right. doubt. Yeah. Not much more to add to that. Thank you guys. Um, I enjoyed talking to you and yeah, we'll see you in uh, Maine. Maybe have a drink.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go, fellas. Get 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 a W, and we'll have you back on to celebrate. All right, let's go. Come on. AJ, love your game, man. Love your game. Absolutely love your game. Keep through, keep keep doing, you, doing your thing. Get there. Take it easy, guys. All right. See ya. All right. So Rob, interesting hearing from uh, those two young guys out on tour. Going to get their first experience up at Bayside in a couple weeks.
0: Yes, yeah, completely different ball game up there. Uh I'll be excited to see how they respond on the lanes to all the you know hype that's going on around them. Uh you could I would imagine get distracted pretty easy with all the the crowd and the uh you know all the festivities
1: outside the lanes. Yeah, absolutely. I also uh thought it was interesting when they, you know, they they gave a very technical answer to uh to the question about why they haven't won yet. You know, they both mentioned the the varying differences between the oil machines, and I mean, I just want to point that out to the listeners as an example of how complicated this game is. Like, what oil machine applies the oil could make that much of a difference, and and I, you know, they're competing at the highest level, and they feel that way. So, you know, that that is uh, quite a, a a drastic thing to have impact your your uh, playing attack or your game plan to go and play the lane so really interesting to hear that answer from them
0: yeah the companies like brunswick and kegel that uh do a lot of the lanes for a lot of these tournaments you know i'd imagine that they're trying to figure out a way to lower the scores with a lot of the high performance bowling balls and now they're coming out with different kinds of oil there's a kegel has a fire oil they have their ice oil those oils are two two different oils, they break down different, they transition different, lane surfaces, uh, oil machines, mm-hmm. I mean it's so technical now, it's, it's kind of crazy, uh, you know, back in the 60s and 70s and 80s you just had, you know, urethane balls and you would just, you know, you would hit where you were looking and you would strike, now there's 100 million things that go into striking on the PBA
1: tour other than just hitting where you're looking. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. So, so Rob, I got two things to say about our next interview. Number one, the people are getting two for the price of one tonight. Okay, that's number one. Number two, sweep the rack is for the people. And when we bring these guys on, we'll explain what led to this interview. But before we give that story, I just want to remind everybody that sweep the rack is for the people. So when we see something that the people need to hear about, we go out and seek out that story for the people because there's just some stories that I think, you know, we just have to get out there and and, and hear for ourselves. So uh Rob, tonight we're we're gonna welcome on uh the the, the Tutang clan dog
0: <laughs> Tutang clan, I like it.
1: Fellas, fellas, how are we tonight?
4: Good, good, good.
1: Okay, so uh, when we're recording this, uh, you guys are actually getting ready to bowl the, uh, the PBA Lubbock Open, Lubbock Sports Open this weekend. So uh, how's, how's your look after the practice session today? What's, what's the confidence level going in for you guys?
5: Uh, I think we like what we see. Uh, we've got plenty of options from the beginning to end, but uh, obviously things can change from practice session to qualifying. So we're just going to have to wait and see tomorrow.
1: Okay. All right. Well, good luck. Good luck. Go ahead.
4: Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. More more or less, feel the same way. Um, Really try to key in and focus on seeing what's in front of us and making the adjustments as necessary. Um, Confidence is always the same. We walk in thinking that we can win the thing, even though we haven't won yet. Uh, I think it's necessary to have that mindset in order to accomplish those feats. So we're going in confident.
0: Uh, we feel
1: pretty good, and we'll see what happens. All right, good. Mike. We'll, we'll, yeah, go ahead, Rob.
0: Uh, a question. So how are we going to separate which one Darren and which one's Mike? I mean, you know, we
1: got to – how how are we going to do this? Because, you know I, – I mean, Well, it's nearly impossible. I mean, you know, I guess the people will just have to, you know, take it for what it's worth unless, we, you know, we want them to announce who they are before they talk each time. I don't think that's necessary, though. Nah, uh, I've I'm, I'm cool. I'm just wondering, like, you know and how I, do we know? I, I think I think the people will follow throughout throughout the interview anyway. So okay. you got a
4: fifty fifty chance,
1: so Yeah. I like the odds, man. I like it. Right. This interview is taking place basically because Alex Hoskins, uh to to remind listeners, the same Alex Hoskins who you, you really only hear from at Masters time, who makes the show at the Masters every year but doesn't ever seem to bowl anything else. Uh, he tweeted out a picture of South Point the other day that I think was attached to the article about the World Series going back there. And he referred to South, to South Point as Mama Tang's house. So I, I saw this on Twitter, and I, tw- I had to tweet at you guys and just tell you that, you know, we had to get the story because sweep the racks for the people. And the people need to hear stories like this in the bowling community. So we want to hear first, why is South Point Mama Tang's house?
5: <laughs> it was actually a Sunset Station, and the uh, the uh, funny thing about that is, I think it was during Team USA trials in 2017. Uh, she was sitting at a blackout table, and she flipped over her cards, and there she saw seven card straight flush,
6: <laughs>
5: and the uh, the jackpot for that was not small.
1: So, how much are we talking?
5: Uh Enough that Darren has a house now.
6: <laughs> wow! Was, wow! The, the, the,
4: number, the number was roughly three hundred seventy thousand dollars. Holy three
1: seventy! Holy shit! Jesus. Holy shit! Man, oh that's goodness. a lot of
0: pitch, a lot of storm pitch blacks, man. You guys can buy. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, have have you oh, seen yeah. their
1: ball closet in their house? Have you seen it online? I follow them on, <laughs> online. I'm gonna ask them some questions about it later. But, yeah, they have quite the impressive ball closet at their house. Am I right, fellas?
5: That's actually only Darren's. <laughs> None of those are mine.
4: <laughs>
1: well, oh, my goodness.
5: Yeah, that's all okay,
1: just sure. Darren's inventory. <laughs> so, Mike, so, Mike, where are yours?
5: I am uh, located in Ohio, but even there I don't have the uh, what, 140 bowling balls he has in there. 140.
0: Okay. All right.
1: No question. Oh my God. So you guys you guys are not living in the same place right now? We're not. Okay, and is that the first time you guys have ever lived apart from each other?
4: That is correct. For one year of college. One or two? One or two? Uh, two. two? Two. Two. My first years of college, obviously I was in college and Mikey was still in high school. And even, aside from that, yeah.
5: Even then, we are only 40 minutes away, so I don't even know if that really counts. <laughs>
1: Okay, and how's that going for you guys?
5: I think it's going all right. Yeah, you know, a little bit of uh, independence. <laughs> you know, he gets to do his thing, and then I get to do my thing. Adam, oh, I think we're both really
4: pretty enjoying right. it. It's not like we don't and, see each other that often. I mean, we're going on tour together, rooming together all the time. So, half the year, we're yeah, well, pretty I was, much going to it. Like,
1: on social media, like you guys seem like you're together all the time. That's why I was surprised by that. But I just I want I'm not trying to dig into your personal lives. I mean, I am a little bit, I guess. But what what <laughs> brought you to your to your prospective destination? So, Darren, what brought you to Las Vegas? I know that's where you're at right now. Mike, what brought you to Ohio? Uh,
4: Vegas was obviously cheaper than California. Um, I think what kind of drew us there were was the people. Had a lot of friends in Vegas. Um, I actually live five houses down from Marshall Kent. Um, Our houses were kind of built in the same development at the same time. Brand new builds. Um, So there are a lot of different things that influenced this decision, but ultimately ended up happening to be Vegas, and I'm happy it was.
1: And Mike? Uh,
4: Yeah, I've got a girlfriend
5: who lives in Ohio. So uh, after we moved out of our college apartment, it was – You know, either go to Vegas or go to Ohio, and uh, she would not have been particularly excited if I went to Vegas first.
0: (laughs) Mm. She must have been been some girl to bring you to Ohio. Yeah, Yeah. listen,
1: Mike, Mike, don't let him give you a hard time. His life -life (laughs) is a fucking dumpster fire, okay? Don't let him give you a hard time. Talk to the guy who's been married for 10 years, who asked his wife to move up to North Jersey with him from Philly or Central Jersey, anyway. Yeah, you, know, you may have made the right move. I hope it turns out to be the right one, man. I hope, uh, I hope things work out either, you, you know. Well, but if you, it doesn't, it's not much. the end of the world either. Your brother has a house yeah, in Vegas. Yeah, if it doesn't, he has a casino to come paid for. To Vegas. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, true. true. And the casino paid for the house. I mean, you're literally <laughs> living on house money. That's right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> house money, like literally technical term, house money.
1: So just <laughs> yeah oh my god holy cow! that's I, that's just that's an amazing story see that's the kind of stories we need to get out in bowling uh you guys have serious degrees man you you guys both have serious degrees so darren you have a mechanical engineering degree and mike you have your, your degree in psychology am i correct?
5: That is correct yes sir
1: all right so you know I ha- i have to ask this question and i don't want you to take this the wrong way but you know these are serious careers where you could be making serious money. I mean, I I have friends that are mechanical engineers, you know, the, the, the money is serious, you know, how did you weigh the factoring of going and pursuing your career and, or, you know, uh, chasing the the dream of, of pro bowling? Uh, It's
4: kind of funny chasing the dream was pretty much the goal going into college. So, no matter what degree we decided to pursue, that was almost irrelevant, I guess. It was plan B from the start.
1: Okay, and that's true for both of you guys?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to do something if you're not incredibly passionate about it, and I feel like we were 100% passionate about professional bowling, and uh, I think Darren chose his major. Uh, actually, I actually don't know why he chose his major, but I
4: chose mine because –
5: it's, <laughs> 'cause it seemed interesting <laughs> in college, and uh you know when I did go to class, I wanted it to be somewhat interesting to me, but bowling was always plan a
1: okay does yeah. you do you feel like uh do you feel like studying psychology has helped you in bowling at all
5: um, if I'm honest, no, not really
1: <laughs> I kept trying
5: to get into a sports psychology class, but it was always full
0: okay, you know, you know it probably might worse than. Mike, let me tell you some first few things. Um, I went to a bowling college myself, and classes just got in the way. I mean, let's just put it as it is, right? Like, I mean, college would have been so much better if there was no classes. The second, yeah, yeah, second thing is I have a psychology degree myself, and I'm a train wreck on the lanes mentally. So, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So I I hear you with the with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like
5: I get that question all the time. They're like, "Oh, is psychology college college? Does, it, does it help you bowling?" I'm like, "Ah, I'm honest, no. <laughs> <And>
0: that's
4: all." <laughs> I
1: okay. love the So, you guys bowled it, at San Jose State, and they've always had a good program as far as I go back. I mean, Rob and I bowled college in the late '90s, early 2000s, and Rob, they were they were always a competitive program. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I I, okay. I wouldn't say they were like you know, a top 10 college by any means, but they were always bowling. They were always coming and, uh, you know, they weren't yeah. at all.
1: No, and they always had they always had guys that could play. I, I remember that at, whenever you saw their team. So you guys had a lot of success in college and everybody's aware, you know, national title and, and singles title. But Rob and I always like to ask because we like to compare it to our own experience. You know, what was the, the party scene like out on the West Coast in college bowling when you guys were at San Diego <laughs>
5: We wouldn't know. We We weren't much of the uh, party people. We were – it was school during the day, and we were doing something like bowling at night every single night. So we were not the standard college student.
4: (laughs) We were pretty boring.
1: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Rob, honestly, when I hear these answers from all these these, these young bowls about not partying, it makes me respect the guys who we know who really did get it in but still went out on the lanes and got it done. (laughs)
0: <laughs> man I mean I think I bowled half my college career maybe hung over I would <laughs> hung over on like two hours of sleep and and then beat a turn and then beat pretty much win a tournament uh, and then sleep on the on the van ride home I think that was majority of, of the college career but yeah and it's not it's not surprising though man because college bowling back when we bowled was so much more kind of laid back and just just kind of like wild wild west now there's like a lot of strict requirements bowling for college these coaches
1: have these these guys on lockdown yeah i said before i'm not going to discuss what i did in uh on our trips in college but uh yeah so so it's just a, you know it's interesting to me you know props to you guys for for taking a serious approach don't taking it very seriously obviously you know it worked out for you and, and you guys uh have accomplished that goal of of you know making professional bowling your career uh so, I follow you guys on social media, and you guys are very active on social media. So, here's some observations I've made. You guys practice a lot. You love to practice. I see that you guys like bubble tea very much. Big <laughs> oh, yeah. Team. All right. So, we'll talk about that in a second. Working out, definitely working out. They're going to be going to the gym, Rob. Basketball sometimes. They're going to be mm. playing some ball. They hang with Chris Villa a lot. They get it in with Chris Villa a lot. And then you guys have the social media thing going, going on there. But most of all, I noticed that, like, I guess, Darren, your house seems to be the hangout spot whenever there's something going on in Vegas related to bowling. It's like I follow a lot of bowlers and all of a sudden every snap on Instagram is from your house and like it's Jenga, giant Jenga. It's the bowling ball closet. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to ask about that. Like, is your house the spot when the bowling events are going on in Vegas or what?
4: I guess so. Um, anybody that we're relatively close to, I suppose, if they need a place to stay, arms wide open. I mean, I don't really, unless I have a reason to say no, I usually don't. Um, but yeah, I try to take care of my friends whenever I can. And hopefully they return the favor one day. But if not, it's all good. I'm all about, I'm all about giving.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. And and talk to us about bubble tea. I got to be honest, I'm not familiar. So. What what are the what are the uh the the good sides of bubble tea?
5: That's like the high school kids' coffee. Uh, I <laughs> I started really getting into it like beginning of high school for me, and that's just the spot, you know. Um, you know, obviously kids can't drink alcohol legally. I don't know who does, you know, in their house. We did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, but uh, yeah. You, Went out with your friends after school, went to a bubble tea place, and I mean, it, we are doing almost sickeningly at the U.S. Open. We were there for 11 days in Wichita, and there was a spot across the street, and we went there every single day.
4: We had it more than 11 times. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so,
5: more or less like coffee. It's kind of just an addiction. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm I'm blown away that there's a bubble tea spot in Wichita. We there, were, too. Yeah, there were two. Wow. That's amazing to me. I guess I have the wrong impression of Wichita Then, Okay. All right. <laughs> Interesting. I'm glad you were able to uh, give our listeners the lowdown on that. Maybe, maybe you just turn some people, uh, turn some people onto some, some, something new we're actually there.
4: slowly turning the rest of the tour onto it.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So whenever we see somebody drinking bubble tea on flow bowling, we know it can't probably is your influence.
5: Yes, <laughs> we will take credit.
1: All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's talk about, let's talk about your kicks guys. Let's talk about your kick game. Who Who's into the kicks? Is it Darren that's into the kicks?
4: I would probably say I'm more into it, but we both own copious amounts of footwear.
1: Okay. All right. So so, give me some of the highlights. What are you into?
4: Well, a lot of Jordans, uh, Nike, Dunk, SBs, Air Maxes, uh, a little bit into Puma Suede. I actually just bought okay. a pair of men's Uggs boots.
1: Oh my god, you're gonna get no respect for me wearing those. I don't know about that, fellas. Okay. <laughs> what uh what 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 uh number Jordans are you most into?
4: I'd say my favorites are probably the fours.
1: Yeah, I like the fours too. I'm a big I, yeah, I most most fours of what my I have.
4: Of
1: Okay. Alright, what about uh what about the um what about Space Jams?
4: I have a pair of Space Jams from 2009. Those are probably okay. one of my favorite pairs. Those are solid.
1: Okay. Yeah, I didn't have them back then. I just got them on the re-release though. Uh I wear size the quality 15. Before the re release I I'm okay. gonna have to
4: say much worse.
1: Yeah, no, I I I, I understand. I understand. I, I wear had, size I, 15. I had that so pair sometimes too. it can it can be tough for me. Like it's either hit or miss. Like I can either get them pretty easily because no one's looking for that size or People are buying them all, so it doesn't matter what size they are. They scoop them up anyway. Yeah, the resale you
4: know. game is not helping our cause.
1: Yeah, I, it's it's crazy. It really is. You know, you, you see some of these people who are able to get their hands on 50 or 60 pairs, and you know, there's other people who want them that can't get one. And it you know, it it definitely makes you wonder. And I know there's a lot going on with the technology out there in terms of bots and people using different accounts and things of that nature. But yeah, yeah I for honestly sure. like. If if I luck out, you know, and I get what I want, that's great. If not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. So how many pairs of sneakers do you guys have?
4: Oh, my. I'd probably say around somewhere between 50 and 60 for me.
1: Yeah,
5: probably a little less than that. I think I'm around 30, 30 35.
1: Okay, so here's one of my problems. When I go on a trip, like – I feel – I don't know what sneakers to bring because, you know, different sneakers are going to go with different outfits, et cetera. So how do you deal with that issue? You guys travel a lot. You know, do you kind of just have a a staple pair you wear or or what's the deal? Do you end up – Yeah, the travel pair
4: usually, whatever's comfortable.
1: Okay. I've
5: I've kind of just evolved out of the shoe game, really. I was really into it in high school, you know, with all the Jordans and stuff, and then slowly evolved to mainly just wearing – like Puma suede, a little more casual. I had a Tom suede. I think I actually own like eight pairs of Toms. Uh, but yeah, now it's just Puma running shoes everywhere I go. Uh, if I'm feeling really dressy, I'll wear Puma suede. But yeah, I, I wear like the same two pairs of shoes.
1: <laughs> okay. Any any uh, Adidas Ultra Boost?
4: Never really been an Adidas guy.
1: No. Oh, you, you go. Honestly, you should check those out. Those are very comfortable.
5: The only ideas I've ever had were uh, pro models for high school basketball.
1: Okay. Did you play ball in high school?
5: I was the startup shooting guard on my junior varsity team.
1: Okay. And then
5: Darren tried to end my career, actually. During spring training, he dropped a ball ball on my
4: foot. I saved him from conditioning.
0: Okay.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Mike,
1: I don't
0: know yeah. if you know this or not but I I got my own pair of kicks too. I don't know if you yeah. know that. Yo, I got a I I'm in the Air Force 1s. I got, I don't know the names of them or or the or the styles or any of you guys, I'm not on your level but I know they're pretty rare. I got some pretty rare jo- I got some pretty rare shoes. I know that. I'll have to send a picture okay. to uh,
1: Yeah, I'm telling That's you great. man. My, my shoe game is sick. It's Actually I'm I'm into the Air Force Ones too, Rob. That's that's probably my favorite shoe and my staple shoe. That's kind of what I rock on the daily. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, for people of our age, you know, that was like one of the most popular shoes that was out when we were younger, I would say. And uh yeah, I just picked up the they Nike, Nike just released uh three different denim versions of the Air Force One with a, a denim company out of New York City called XF One. I don't, I'm not, I'm not oh, really yeah. familiar with them. Yeah, but the, the designs were dope, so I picked up the black ones and uh yeah, they're pretty nice actually. So Rob, I'm sorry I didn't you know, you couldn't be included in the kick game conversation, but you know, you, you gotta you gotta know your stuff, you know what I'm saying? It's alright, man. I'm 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 with it on the D L over here, so I'll I'll take a
0: picture of my Air Force ones and man and you're gonna to want them, 'em, I'm telling you.
6: Okay.
4: <laughs> Where would you uh, like? That's what I'm all about.
1: Yeah, true. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. That's what I tell my kids too. So uh Mike, at one time you were the youngest person in the world to bowl a perfect game, and I read that you won a contest through Storm. Uh, you were titled like the next Storm Prodigy or something. You know, tell us a little bit about that. But before you do, you you must have really thought you were the shit, like Darren. What what was he like to put up <laughs> with after he uh, after he you know got those titles?
4: It was awful. I was in the shadows for the longest time. I mean, but. I think it worked out for the better because it, it kind of forced me to work harder, not necessarily for the recognition, but just to kind of step out of that shadow and not be known as Michael Tang's brother. Um, but I think since then it's kind of gone both ways and we've gotten to a point where it's, we're pretty much just the Tang brothers and not one or the other's brother.
1: Two Tang clan, dog. You better protect your neck. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah, Mike, what, what was it like, I mean, to have those titles bestowed upon you like as a young kid? Not not only is that awesome, that had to be some pressure, no?
5: No, I think I was uh, so young and just so ignorant
1: because uh, I,
5: I kind of just saw the project thing as a, a contest. Oh, we get, to, you know, we get to hang out with Norm Duke. That was really cool. We got bowling balls and stuff. Uh, yeah, I was kind of just so young and dumb to not really feel the pressure of any of those titles or labels or anything, but uh, I think everything that happens like that with, you know, being labeled and, you know, Darren saying he felt like using the shadow, I think it just helped us both develop as bowlers, and now I think we both feel like we're the shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you guys are competing at the highest level for sure. Now, l- now let me ask
0: you guys, um, you guys bowled each other on the, on the master show. What, I, I mean, what was that like? I mean, that, that, that kind of crazy on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh
5: I mean, that was a really cool experience. That was one of the things that we wanted to do all along as, you know, children, you, you kind of, you're rolling your little plastic bowling ball down the hallway, pretend like you're bowling each other for the U S open title, whatever. And then, to actually have that happen during a PBA major was a really cool experience.
0: Now, here, here's the thing: is I, I would have loved to bowl one of my brothers on TV. See, I have two older brothers, and we all bowl as well, oh um, and we're all accomplished bowlers to a certain degree. And I, I, man, I could just, just, Mike. Now you could probably, you know, Jeff's a little bit more <laughs> quiet, but imagine me bowling Dave on on the master show Jeff you know he he got a little fiery himself but I just oh the possibilities I mean I'm just the the shit talking were you guys shit talking to each other like down low like I don't know you know I would definitely not wanted us to get mic'd up but I would have definitely been talking shit to my brother or one of my brothers if I bowled him on tv no I mean
5: I feel like my ball reaction was so good on the fresh that I didn't even need to shit talk
4: (laughs) Like, that's just how I personally felt. Yeah, it might have got worse for him if he started. So he probably he probably plays cards right.
1: True. Yeah. I, Dave. I mean, Rob. If you and Dave bowled each other on TV, I think there would have to be a period of time where you didn't speak afterwards for a little while. To be honest, I mean, <laughs> that would that would just be uh that would be too intense. But uh, guys, we're we're gonna get you out of here. We just have a couple quick fire questions that that we like to ask all of our guests, so we'll get answers from uh from both of you on these. Uh, what do you guys have on tap going forward? So, Darren, go ahead. Tell us first.
4: Ooh, all right. So, after It we both head back to Vegas. We bowl the Open Championships. We're on the same team. Uh, we ball on July 5th and 6th. Uh, from there, I think a week later, I head off for the league. And then another one or two weeks later, we're going to Lucy. And then after that, the rest of the fall swing starts in August, or summer swing, whatever. That means.
1: Okay. All right, Mike. Same oh, cool. for you.
4: Yeah, minus the league, I'm gonna spend that time on the
5: lake fishing or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So, okay. hey Mike, I gotta jump in here yeah. real quick. Yeah. I think I, I think
0: I might be bowling in uh, the same days you guys are bowling the USBC championships actually. So.
1: Cool. Yeah.
0: So don't expect me to go in brackets, though. So that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was just gonna say if you could, if you could sense in his voice when he said "cool," he was saying, "Oh, cool! More, more bracket money in my pocket. Sweet." No, <laughs> oh, we're
4: definitely not. We're definitely not getting in the brackets. We're going to play for fun.
0: Oh well, then we then I might have to put you guys in brackets. Then I, I have a better chance.
1: To, <laughs> hit me up, Rob. Hit me up. I got Venmo I and
0: PayPal. I got bad both. They Okay, <laughs> uh,
1: Guys, each of you, who's the goat to you?
4: Who's the goat? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I I feel like it depends on the what are we going? Category, I suppose. Obviously, if you go by titles, it's Walter. I don't know what you're going by, but I'm
5: going with Earl. I've always been an Earl proponent because he did everything he did in such a short period of time.
1: Wow. Interesting answers. Course. No, it is. That's uh, But we just like to hear everybody's opinion. You know, you you guys bowl at the highest level. You know, uh, I, I guess my follow-up to that is, do, do you think it will be Belmo when it's all said and done? Uh, if you say Earl, then I it's got to be Belmo.
4: Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be Belmo.
1: Okay.
6: What
4: his career is said and done.
1: All right, fair well, enough.
4: Kind of nice to know what the chase right
1: now. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's a fair point. Uh, favorite ball ever, guys.
4: I can't. That I don't know what it is. You're gonna have to ask me that question when I'm done bowling.
5: Yeah, I'm. I'm real like. I go.
4: I go in phases. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll
5: find the oh, ball like, like, oh my god, okay. it's the greatest ball ever. And half the time, everyone thinks it's terrible. So I don't even think that's a good question to ask. I'm not a good people's source of what's the greatest ball ever.
1: Or okay. All right. So, <laughs> so let me change the question for you. I'll change the question. What – you guys have a stockpile of bowling balls, or at least Darren does in his house. What ball do you have the most of in that stockpile? Marble Pearl. Mm, I think the okay. most
5: of any single ball I've ever had is either an asylum or I think during college I had about seven or eight freaking frantics.
4: Oh, your stash has
5: about five or six. No rules exist. Right oh, now. Yeah. that's true. Okay. That's not fair though. Cause Jim said I could take them off the truck,
1: man. Uh, you I got, you got it. straight down like some, some bowling ball junkies. I gotta be honest. Is there any, a uh,
0: blank original black thunders in that, uh 140 Oh uh, No, we
4: trip? don't go that far back. It was, uh, <laughs> a lot of, I don't really collect. I'm not that hard for about stockpiling bowling balls. Most of that collection is from college. Hmm.
0: You know, just trying, yeah, they, trying to finesse a, a thunder man. Don't you can't you can't fault me. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> I have an out.
4: extractor eight at one point. All
1: right, yeah, it's pretty old. That was probably no the
4: oldest gem I had.
1: Okay. They just low-key took a shot at you, though, Robin, called you old. But it's all good. We'll let it slide. It's, it's almost. So. I got a blank. Sure. We're just speaking under. to our age.
0: I got a blank yeah, no. booth
1: in my closet. Okay. Yeah, that's, a, that's an impressive one. Yeah, uh, that's guys, good. we'll get you out of here. We really appreciate your time tonight. We know you got a bowl tomorrow. Uh, what what plugs you got for us? What companies are supporting you guys? Tell the listeners.
4: Oh, yeah. Storm, Grotagrip. Really appreciate them. They kind of Kickstarted our career and they do a lot for us now. So, big thanks, big shout out to Storm Rotor Grip. Uh, for me, Vice, for Mikey Turbo, uh, Logo Infusion does our shirts right now. They do a great job, great shirts, great materials. Um, that's
1: it right now, right?
4: That is it, yep. All
1: okay. Bold nice. yeah.
4: check us out.
1: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Follow these guys on social media. You guys do a great job on there. You, you're, you're another group of people that needs to uh, maybe be put in front of a, a room full of PBA players and explain to them the impact of social media and how to do it the right way. So props to you guys on that. And uh, again, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you guys coming on very much and uh, yeah, good luck and good bowling, man. Safe travels. Thank
4: you. Thank you Thank Thanks you. for having us.
1: Yep. Yeah. No doubt. Absolutely. Win, win some titles and we'll have you back. All right.
4: Yes, sir. <laughs> good plan. deal.
1: Let's go. Mike Rob 370 G's Dog Talking
0: about House money I was dying I was just like Man that's The epitome Of playing with House money They're literally The shoes collection The bowling ball Collection You know like I want to go Hang out in that House man In Vegas
1: I want to play Jenga I want to play Giant Jenga With a bunch Of good bowlers and see what's good, you know, see what's popping. But, uh, yeah, Darren's house definitely seems to be the hangout spot. And, uh, you know, like I said, follow those guys on social media, man. They do a great job. Uh, They're doing their thing similar to to, uh, Brad and Kyle. And, uh, you know, if if you're listening to this, definitely follow these guys on social media because they're putting a lot of great content out there and they, they really give you a peek inside their lives. So it's definitely interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, really good interview, Rob. They were interesting to talk to. I, I would love to have them back. I hope, I hope they give us a reason to have them back soon.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was going to, I, I, I kind of like to know more about growing up as bowlers and brothers. Cause I have that similar experience. So, you know, it's always fun to talk about, especially like he was talking about bowling, like with the plastic balls and the pins in their basement. And, and, and me and my brothers used to do the same thing, uh, and uh, I, I just kind of always wondered, like, if 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 my me and my the way I, I grew up with my brothers was kind of the same. Uh, and me me and my brothers, I mean, we'd have some out like brawls, like on the lanes, like I, I, obviously also in the house too. But mo- and like mostly on the lanes. And uh, you know, a lot of my friends in Brooklyn would always say, "Man, I, I wish we had this on video and we and we put this out, so because it was entertaining as hell." So you know, kind of curious more about how they grew up and, you know, with
1: each other bowling. True. Absolutely. Um, But uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, you also have the amateur side of the game and uh, we wanted to get into it with the people tonight and uh, we have a uh, flat 10 list for them. No. Yup. I'm going to, let's let's do it.
0: So Mike, we're, uh, doing a top 10 list on how you know that you're bowling an amateur tournament uh this came idea came to me when i was bowling this past week at the usbc tournament and uh the true amateur tournaments uh and uh it's you know you get to meet and see a lot of interesting people and a lot of funny things happen when, when you're bowling these tournaments so uh i'm gonna get started uh now my number ten, you know, you're bowling an amateur tournament, especially the True Amateur tournament, is when my brother Dave wins the Mystery Score, uh, which he won, I believe, for a six straight time at the True Amateur tournament. They actually introduced him over the microphone as one of the, as the all-time money leading winner tour uh, uh, money leading winner of the Mystery Score, and if any of the the viewers don't know, listeners don't know what the mystery score is. It's literally just picking a random score out of a bucket from a, from like a 150 or a 100 to 300. And if you bowl it during your second game of your qualifying, you uh, you win the money that's in the pot, and it could get up to uh, you know 1500 at some points. Uh, I've won it last uh, in January for about 750. So that's my number one. Is you know you're bowling an amateur tournament when your
1: brother Dave wins the mystery score. okay, all right my my first uh reason on my list i uh, will say my number five since we're both gonna do half here uh you know you're bowling in an amateur event when there are a lot of kids, a lot of junior bowlers in the building and a lot of parents hanging out in the building uh and, and I'm not saying that as a negative, you know I actually believe that without that rule change a few years ago, Rob, where the, the junior bowlers can now bowl adult events with the waiver. If they didn't change that rule, I, I'm not sure that there would be any tournament out there, a particularly sport tournament, that would be able to draw enough entries to even make it worth it to bowl. Because at a lot of these amateur events that I go to, the field is filled with junior bowlers. There's way more junior bowlers there, people bowling under an exemption sometimes than there are adult bowlers there. So, yeah, I just, uh, I think that if you're going to an amateur event, you're probably going to see a good amount of junior bowlers Hmm. and their parents.
0: Well, you know, hopefully those junior bowlers translate into more amateur and more professional bowlers later on. But that's a whole nother topic that I want to talk about is the transition from junior bowling into the pro bowling. And I think that's a major issue uh, that's going on in the sport, but that's not uh, what we're going to talk about right now. So my number two, or we should say number three on my list is when you are bowling practice and the person shoots a strike shot and a spare shot during a practice session or a 10-minute practice session.
1: Oh, that fries me out. If that happens, if that happens on my pair during practice, forget about it. I'm bowling like shit. I'm I'm fried. That's it. I, you, that person just fried me out. They took two frames in a row. Like that's total bullshit. You know, now I have to go up and do two frames to feel like I'm getting my my you know fair practice worth. Fried, Rob. Yep. Okay. Uh, my number four uh, uh, reason of how you know that you're bowling in an amateur tournament is that you will undoubtedly, undoubtedly see a lot of unneeded ball changes, unneeded ball changes. Uh, There was a person who bowled the event on my pair this weekend, not going to name names, but they must have went through about eight different bowling balls throughout the day and they finally pulled out this ball and the ball matched up on the pair we were on for about five frames and they threw Couple of nine spares with a triple in between, and they actually said to somebody else on the pair, you know, and, and realized they were about two hundred under at this point for f- for four games or five games, and and they said, you know, if I would have switched this ball earlier, I would have had that look all day. So mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely going to see a lot of ball changes if you bowl an amateur tournament. Everybody's looking for that magic reaction, Rob, because that's what it's all about, right? It's not about how good you throw it. It's about matching up and finding that magic reaction that allows you to throw it like shit, but still strike a bunch, which actually I'm saying sarcastically doesn't really all exist that much.
0: Here's the, here's the funny thing to this now. Now with the urethane ball making a comeback, now a lot of people are staying or forcing themselves to use a urethane ball when the shot's not out there. And they're literally staying with a urethane ball for like the whole tournament and then not switching at all. So I feel like that's a new, uh, a new thing going on now is that they're just literally trying to throw a purple hammer or, or whatever European ball they have, and they're trying to force it for eight games instead of, instead of switching off of it. So that's just the, the new adjustment now is just to stay with the European ball until you try to make it work, and it just never works, you just leave. So.
1: Yeah, the other, I agree. And the other problem with that is it just turns the, 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 the pattern and the lanes into an absolute travesty of a mess nice. I mean it's just oh my god it's just un- nice. it's unbelievable what goes on all right what's your number three reason go ahead number three is
0: when you have a one lane courtesy they actually literally people give you one lane courtesy Mike I could be on the front 35 bowling for 900 but if old Ruthie needs to go up and she's gonna go up in exactly the same time I'm gonna go up one lane away and go exactly the same time that I throw the ball. I could literally be bowling for 900, but one lane courtesy means one lane courtesy. And I hate that, Mike. I hate that so much. Like, I have to be that person that kind of waits an extra few seconds and waits for the person that's one lane away for me to start their delivery before I get up. Because I don't want to bowl at the same time. Like, you know, I will, what, you know, what if I want to run out to strike, Mike? I can't run it out. But, no, I mean, just all seriousness, though, I hate that. One lane, like, to me, it should be one-and-a-half lane courtesy.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of courtesy issues out there. I actually understand why the PBA does lane courtesy the way they do it. It's a very succinct and awesome system. I encourage everyone to do their own research on how it works, and that should be the universal courtesy system everywhere because it's just perfect. It gives everybody this basically the same amount of time between shots, et cetera. So I feel you, Rob. There's always a lot of courtesy, uh, courtesy issues out there. Rob, my number three thing that you're going to see, that you're going to know you're bowling an amateur tournament, is a lot of misspairs. spares. Everywhere you look, it's going to be just a field of misspairs. spares. It's unbelievable. Spare shooting, I think, is at an all-time low. You're just going to see miss spares all over the place. Like you said, Matt O'Grady averaged 190-something yesterday and uh, won a tournament, you know, because uh, he can make spares consistently and other people can't. So if you're bowling an amateur tournament, look around. You're bound to see a lot of miss spares. Mike, I was a mess
0: this week shooting spares, honestly. Like, it was the most frustrating thing because, I, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I agree with you. Tournaments like the TAT and the USBC tournament where shot making is, you know, is crucial – and for, for me to miss a four pin or, or a two pin, which I did. And I missed my 10 pins. It was the most frustrating thing in the world because I know how important it is. And it kills all your momentum too, all your momentum that you have, like it just completely like deflates you as a bowler. Like if you miss a four pin or a two pin. Uh, yeah. So, good. I
1: mean, you know, go to a professional tournament, a high level professional tournament, really. You're not going to see hardly any misspares. So definitely a difference there. All right, Rob, what's your number two reason?
0: when you talk to someone and you talk to them about playing inside and it's like, Oh, I was playing inside and I didn't have any shot. And then you watch them bowl and they're playing 15. And then when you ask them, Oh, I was playing right all day. I was, I was, I was, I, I couldn't play any, any further. Right. And then you watch them bowling and they're playing 10. <laughs> uh, that's my biggest, like, no, that's how I know I'm bowling in an amateur tournament I when people are like, they, they they don't even know twenty or twenty five or, or or even know what five or or, or playing the like three four or one two board even they even can't do it.
1: Okay, my number two uh, thing that you're going to see that you'll definitely know that you are at an amateur tournament is the the misuse of Aberlon pads in general. <laughs> you, know, you, <laughs> you go to an amateur tournament and. You are bound to walk through the concourse before the tournament starts, and if you pay attention, you will see various uses of Abrolon pads going on, maybe some 360 on some urethane, some, definitely some, a lot of 500 going around, regardless of what the pattern is, because even if we're bowling on something that's 37 feet, we're going we're gonna to use 500. And we're going to just blow it up. That's what we like to do most people these days. So people might, might be using Aberlon pads to wash their hands. They love them so much. You go into the bathroom and they don't have, you know, little rags there. They have Aberlon pads for you to wash your hands. You know, people may eat off of Aberlon pads if you're at an amateur tournament. I feel like amateur bowlers think that Aberlon pads are for everything now. So, you know, you might go into the urinal and see – urinal cakes that are actually Avalon pads. Mm. So the misuse of Avalon pads is an epidemic in the bowling community. I'm declaring that. Rob, what's your number one reason? Oh,
0: my number one reason uh, is that when uh, you know, I think it's going to be the one where you see a lot of the ABT or local amateur tournament name shirts with all kinds of patches on them that of all their uh like successes and all their honor scores and you know their their 200 games and you know and they're walking into the building like you know I'm a local champion or whatever so almost like the Roy Munson uh, local champion shirt or whatever it was you know so that's kind of when you know you're bowling an amateur tournament, when you see those come out.
1: Oh, absolutely. You, if you're bowling an amateur tournament you pay attention, you're going to see all kinds of name shirts that probably don't belong. In fact, I kind of feel like I said to somebody yesterday, I, I really don't feel like you should wear a name shirt unless you have a PBA title. I almost feel like that should be the new standard in bowling. Like the name shirt is kind of overrated. You know, unless you've really won something at a super high level, I'm not, I'm not sure a name shirt is necessary you know but uh yeah you're bound to see name shirts at amateur tournaments a lot of name shirts with shorts combination Rob. like name <laughs> shirt with basketball shorts combination and to me that kind of says like they're just wearing the name shirt for the sake of wearing the name shirt no
0: you know the name shirt you you're 100% right on the name shirt what's the point of someone like me wearing a name shirt mike nobody knows who i am nobody yeah, honestly,
1: cares. no one no one gives a shit who you are Honestly, I, it's the truth. It really is. It's the truth. Like I'm sorry. You know, just get over the uh, it's the whole look though. See, that's the one it, with bowling, like you gotta look like you bowled good. It doesn't really matter whether you actually bowled good or not, it's whether you look like you bowled good. So me I, saw, I show up I show up to bowl in a polo t shirt and some Jordan shorts with some Jordans on. You know, so I, I keep it I keep it kinda gully when I hit the bowling alley to bowl. So you won't catch me in a name shirt unless I am forced to wear one for some reason. But uh, yeah, definitely something you'll see at the amateur tournaments. You're right, Rob. All right, Rob, my number one uh, thing that you're definitely going to encounter if you're at uh, an amateur tournament. And I, I'm going to put it in terms of poker, but I think people understand you're If you go to an amateur bowling tournament, you're bound to hear a lot of bad beat bowling stories. Okay. And here's what I mean by that. You know, everybody bowls, okay? We all go out, we bowl our squad, whatever. We bowl the qualifying marathon style, whatever it might be, right? And no one's really paying attention to what anybody else is doing, per se, right? You're paying attention to what you're doing, and you're not really watching a ton of other people, maybe a shot here, a shot there, but you're not really zoned into what other people are doing. And then you get done, and everybody kind of comes back, and now everybody's hanging out, waiting for the cut to be announced, finals to start, et cetera. And that's when the bad beat bowling stories start, Rob. You, know, you walk through the bowling alley, and if you listen with a keen ear, you'll hear many a story of excuse of why people didn't bowl good or make the cut. You know, Could have been the bad pair they hit. Could have been the wrong ball choice in game two. Could have been the approaches on 15 and 16 that were bad. Could have been the cross that they had going into that last game. Could have been the distraction that happened. You know, the birthday party down here, kid walked up on me a couple frames, and you know, I missed a couple spares. But everybody's got their bowling bad beat story. But you know what those bowling bad beat stories are, Rob? They're all bullshit. That's what they all are. They're all bullshit excuses. <laughs> but you know who but is- you, you, cre- hold on, hold on. We've created a, a thing in the bowling community where, you know, if you show up and you bowl like like crap, you know, all you got to do is make a bowling bad beat story, you know, and then you, you leave thinking you were, you were bowled much better than you actually did when really the answer is you just didn't throw it all that well. You know, you just didn't bowl all that well. So, you know, go ahead. What do you want to say? You know, who was king of the bad beat stories was uh, Joe
0: Tusa, uh, you know, and uh, you know, he, Joe Tusa passed away a, a few months back and, you know, condolences to to anybody who knows a family, Joe Tusa, but Joe Tusa was king of the bad beat stories. Uh, He stoned seven, you know, five times to miss the cut by 10 pins. And, you know, there's, there, they weren't stone sevens. They were flat sevens and, you know, just, you know, big exaggerated, right? Like when it comes to bad beat stories in general, Oh, I ripped a 10 and then it's, you know, a flat 10 and, (laughs) You know, or eight, ten, and the eight fouls you
1: know, big exaggeration stories uh, when it comes. Oh, to, that's uh, why I say they're they're bad beat stories of bowling, because you know everybody expects you to react to it like it's the first time they ever heard that. When in reality, yeah, or- it's probably happens. You know, yeah, every, oh, and every time. To you.
0: It happens. To, it happens to every bowler. All these bad beat stories, just like poker players. Every poker player has bad beat stories. You know, nobody you know really has a unique bad beat story. I mean maybe the Nick Pate match that we just went over that was that was a pretty bad beat but if, I mean a bad beat is not throwing in the gutter I guess in the fill ball. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. No, not really. But all right Rob that's our uh, that's our flat 10 list for the people. Ten ten 10 things you're definitely bound to see if you hit an amateur bowling tournament. Give it to the people Rob. But we went flat 10. All right, Rob. So we're going to close things out tonight by, uh, you know, promoting an event that's going on on the East Coast over here. Uh, Some big things going down. And, Rob, we we have a group of people on the East Coast that in in one shape or another, I'm going to throw this out there. I'll let them speak for themselves when we bring them on. But uh, they're kind of trying to bring the World Team Challenge back. Line me up, right?
0: Hell yeah! And, That's-
1: and- yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, like like AJ and, and and Mitch just said about bowling in the PBA league. Everybody loves team competition, right? There's something different about bowling for a team rather than bowling as an individual. And uh, yeah, we have a group of guys on the East Coast that are are running a really uh, interesting and really big uh, weekend long team event. So we wanted to uh, bring bring one of the guys that are involved in running it on tonight. And, uh, Rob, you and I both know him. I actually bowl in some leagues with him and stuff. Uh, he's one of the better bowlers in New Jersey, in the Northeast area. Bowls a lot of Eastern regional tournaments. And uh, But tonight we're bringing him on to discuss uh, this, this event that he's running. So we want to welcome on uh, Rusty Thompson. Uh, Rusty, welcome, man.
7: Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So, Rob, I also wanted to mention, yeah, you know, we we got to have Rusty back because not only is he great bowler, regional bowler, amateur bowler, but he is also uh the new coach at New Jersey City University for their girls bowling team. So, he's now amongst the uh ranks of the collegiate coaches, Rob. So, we should definitely welcome him back at some point, I think, to get into some NCAA female bowling. What do you think, Rob?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, we would love to talk about some NCAA uh, women bowling, especially how big it's gotten in the last, you know, 10 years, considering where it was when we were bowling college.
1: Yeah, sure. And if I, I you know, I know Rusty pretty well and you do, too. And I think uh, we can confidently say he's going to do a great job with that program and uh, definitely be tapped into to what's going on. So we'll bring him back later. Uh, if that's okay with him to discuss that. But right now we brought him on tonight just to uh, quickly talk about this uh, team event that that you were running with some other people out here on the East Coast. Tell us about it, man. What do you guys got going on?
7: Uh, Well, it's the second of last week in August. Uh, We were kicking, kicking the idea around for a while just saying exactly that. You know, like, what happened to team challenges? Why isn't anybody trying to start it? And we have the same thought process, you know, no better bowling than team bowling. Uh, I feel personally like college bowling was the best experience of my life. So, you know, it leads into the whole team concept. So we just kind of molded the way it used to be. If people are not familiar with the way team challenges used to run, I mean, they used to put out, you know, brutal shots, you'd bowl two, three game blocks, put together the best team you can come up with. They'd usually run a few like a year. And we decided about maybe nine months ago, we got the ball rolling on it. You know, we wanted to cover every detail, uh, make sure, you know, the event is run the right way, promoted the right way. Um, we sell out at 40 teams. We're at 33 or 34 right now, still so have a few spots available. But again, it's first come, first serve. You know, you pay your deposit, you're guaranteed your spot. Friday night, we're going to do a, a four game sweeper. We're running two patterns on Saturday for the main event. The morning block is going to be one pattern, three games, lunch break, re oil. Afternoon block, three games, a different pattern. We're not going to announce the patterns. You- you want to see what the patterns are, you got to come down and bowl the sweeper because the sweeper will have the morning pattern on the left lane and the afternoon pattern on the right lane. Um, and, again, if you sign up with your teammates, you can actually bowl the sweeper with your teammates so you, you can kind of get an idea of how the lanes are going to break them down or how you want to try to break them down. Again, not going to release details. You know, you'll just you'll figure it out with your eyes. Um, again, and then as long as we have our 40 teams, eight teams will make the Baker Finals on Sunday. Uh, start off probably like nine o'clock in the morning. It's a round robin, two game Baker match final, uh, two game pinfall, total, you know, total pinfall, bowl each team once. Uh, again, both patterns will be out. You'll have the left lane with the morning pattern. you have the right lane with the afternoon pattern. You bowl one game on each pattern, two game total, wins each match, gets a 50 pin bonus. Top four teams after that will make stepladder finals. Um, four versus three. Winter bowls the two seed, and then if you're the number one seed, we're going to give you the option of if you want to stay on that pair or if you want a fresh pair. So we're going to do a lot of incentive for if you're, you know, the number one seed and you lead qualifying, we, we feel like, you know, you deserve to have that little bit of advantage. You've earned it. Same thing goes with the matches during the round robin. Um, the higher seed of every match gets to choose which lane they want to finish on. So we always, you know, try to think, think out every single detail. Um, we're expecting... Unlimited action. I mean, we know a lot of bracket guys are coming down for the tournament. Some of the best amateur bowlers have committed to us and made deposits asking us about brackets. We're going to literally run whatever brackets anybody wants.
1: So, come um, on, drop so, some names. Throw, throw some names out there for the people.
7: Uh, oh, so far, I've got, not many tour guys are coming, but a lot of really good amateur guys are coming. Like, the only tour guy I know of coming is Pepe. Anthony Peppy's is bringing a team. Uh, Adam Barda is bringing a team down from Ohio. Um, I'd say about six or seven different states are represented so far on our roster. Um,
1: Matt Matt O'Grady's bowling too, though. No.
7: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, okay. he's not putting an actual team in, but he, yeah, he is bowling. I you know, I just don't know who's bowling with who yet. Like, we haven't started okay. collecting the actual like teams yet. Just you know, just whoever's dropping the you know a deposit, we're just saying it's, it's team Barta, for example, or team whoever. You know what I mean? Okay. So we're gonna start gotcha. collecting.
6: Uh,
1: yeah. Go ahead. So, so um, you are one of the things I wanted to highlight about this event is that they are allowing PBA titleists to bowl in this event. What are the rules around that when people want to construct the team, Roxy?
7: So yeah, the only rule is only one national titleist per team. So if you want to bring together five guys that have won a regional title, as long as they've never won a national title, they can all bowl together. No restrictions on women. Uh, Alicia Current told me she's going to be putting a team in. Um, she's going to try to, you know, put together four of her best female bowling friends that she has and, you know, load up a, a women's tour kind of team. Um so that's that's basically it, the only restriction. You know, you just can't have one, more than one national titleist on a team.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's always nice to see that when uh, you know, there's big events that that allow uh, some leeway in terms of who can bowl, you know, a lot of times right. these guys Ben. so, definitely, uh, nice to see that. And I think uh, a smart move on on your part and the other people involved with running the event to uh, to allow that. So, what kind of uh, entry fee are we talking about here, and what kind of prize fund are you guys looking to give out?
7: So, again, we're basing it on, you know, our 40 teams. As long as we sell out, like, the money will be guaranteed. We're also – we have a couple more sponsors that are interested that are looking to do more for us. We're still in negotiations with a couple people. Um, Storm is the main sponsor right now. They're giving us a lot of different stuff just to give away to anyone that bowls. Like, we're not – you know, we're not going to raffle off anything. We're just going to – every game we're going to give away something, whether it's a bag or a ball or something just for bowling a tournament. It's $1,000 a team to enter, 200, $200 a person. There's also a singles portion of the tournament. So if you want to get into the singles portion, which I would imagine the majority of people are going to, that's a $50 option with every dollar of that option going directly into the singles prize fund. Um, If we get our 40 teams, it's a guaranteed 10,000 for first 2000 a man, which is, you know, 10 times your, what you paid your entry fee. That was like our, our number we were trying to hit. You know, we feel in our opinion is, you know, first place should be at least 10 times what you're spending. Um, And then, you know, that's, basically covers pretty much every detail.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a nice uh it's a nice first prize, Rob. Yo, Rusty, man, that's I'm I'm pumped. I'm in Chicago and I'm
0: pumped to hear that you're running that this kind of tournament. I feel like we, it, it needs to happen, uh especially how popular the World Team Challenge was and how many brackets there were. I mean, yo, guys out there. I mean, I'm shocked that there aren't more PBA members, but they're always PBA members with national titles are always bitching that they have nothing to bowl. And yet there's only like one or two with national titles that are actually bowling that put in a team. Is there something right. going on that's that weekend that maybe the, the national titles aren't bowling?
7: Yeah, there is a, like they added a new swing, which they kind of did after we had like got the ball rolling, which it's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, there's an, there's like a, an East coast swing going on. I know there's a tournament in Virginia might be that weekend. Like there's an actual tour stop which isn't the worst thing in the world because I feel like if, you know, all the big-name pros were coming, it might scare away, you know, some people. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So with this happening, you know what I mean? It's not the yeah. worst thing in the world because now all of a sudden it's attracted pretty much all the best amateur bowlers. You know what I mean? So, but again, we're not restricting anybody. Everyone's welcome. We want the strongest field possible. So.
0: No, it's true. Cool. I mean, imagine, Mike, could you imagine if, like, let's just say, I don't know, like Belmonte showed up or like Barnes showed up and they ran right. every
1: bracket. I mean, yeah. I mean, people right. aren't going go to go in, but, um, well, listen, before the, before the uh, schedule changed and more events were added, you know, I was trying to put a team in with our boy.
6: Yeah, I, mean, I know.
1: That. Like I was definitely trying to get Pirate. that done. Now, you know, we would be an embarrassment to be bowling along with him, but we would have had a good time for sure. And we would have enjoyed ourselves and maybe bowled Okay. But, uh, yeah, I was definitely trying, but the scheduling didn't work out, but yeah, listen, I want to, you know, just throw out there that there's quite a few events over the last few years that started as smaller events that were, you know, on the map or on the radar, but weren't like huge on the radar that now have become a must bowl. And some of them have become uh PBA titles, like the, the, the mixed doubles that's coming up, you know, just a number of years ago, that was a, a smaller local event from what I understand. And now it's a national PBA title. So yeah, I think, uh, I think this is a great idea that you guys came up with and, and trying to, you know, attack Team Bowling. So that's why I wanted to have you on and, and help you promote it. Rusty, where can, uh, where can people go to get information on the tournament or, re- or to register? How do you want people to contact you guys?
7: Um, so, I mean, I can give out my con- contact info. That's, that's fine. Um, I mean, we basically just promoted it through Facebook like we have. I mean, it's all over the place. Okay. I mean, if anybody, you know what I mean, if anybody's not on Facebook – like i can i don't know on the air off the air give them my contact info or you can give it to them you know if they're asking um yeah that's you know, right. it's, it's just, just like anybody yeah, needs it, it just took
1: email us. but uh on facebook yeah, just they took off on, yeah. the name of the event or
7: yeah it, it's it's just gonna be under uh you'll see a team challenge it, it's just it's got a big you know big background it's got almost every do- uh, tournament detail on the actual flyer that's that's on facebook and, again, I'm pretty sure – again, I don't have it in front of me. I'm pretty sure it's August 23rd, 24th, 25th. I just don't have the calendar from me. But it's a right around – you know, whatever weekend is right around that weekend. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing. Like, we have everything covered. Like, there's a hotel that you can walk to the bowling alley from that's giving us a real cheap rate. Uh, there's okay. a restaurant that's going to give us a discount right there, Miller's Ale, Ale House. Again, you could walk to them both from the bowling alley. Um, and, awesome. I, again, the sweeper the sweeper's really cheap. It's $60 a bowl, four games. And it's just more, you know, more of – to get – uh, feel the patterns, get a feel of the house, get a feel of the approaches, you know, just to center get comfortable.
0: What's what center is this in, Dusty? What point,
7: is It's Majestic Lanes. It's in cent- Central Jersey. Um, it's pretty much right off exit 11 on the turnpike. Uh, yeah. It's very centr- yeah, central.
1: So. Yeah, and, Rob, listen, I heard another rumor. and Rusty didn't mention this, but I'm going to put it out there. I heard another rumor that, Rob, there's going to be a lot of action in the building on Friday night. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it was,
0: here, so. yeah, it would surprise me if you yeah. put bowlers in one that's, place, it would be action. Yeah, action. yeah that,
7: that's another thing that I don't know if you guys have talked about it. You know, I'm, I'm new to your your, your show, and I, I apologize. But if you haven't heard of, or caught on to Dougie Vision.
1: Well, Dougie okay, Vision so is- we we're aware of Dougie Vision. We did an interview with Dougie already, right? But we haven't released it yet because uh, at this time, this, this, what we're doing right now will release before that. But yeah, we right. are of Dougie Vision, and Rob Dougie Vision, which the people will find out about later from us, is going to be in the building on that Friday night. So, Rob, I'm thinking, you know, Majestic's right, literally right around the corner for me. Uh, I'm thinking sweep the rack in the building for the action on Friday night. What do you think? Come on, Mike, you got it. You got to represent. See what's going on. <laughs> you got to get a match.
0: Oh, yes, oh,
1: you want me to get a match? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I hear and, and, and you. It's yeah. really, it, it,
7: It's a really good thing he's he's got going, too, because, like, he matches it up, like, perfectly. Like, he throws it out there, like, hey, this guy's not a big-name guy, you know what I mean, but he likes to gamble. Or, you know, this guy's 230, he'll bowl anybody in the building, you know, or this guy, you know, just wants a double match. And it usually works out where, you know, somebody gets to bowl somebody that they're looking for caliber-wise, you know what I mean? Like, you just get a lot of people that are there that all want to gamble, you know what I mean? And, like, he's got the entire house is full of matches, so he's going to do that Friday after the sweeper. So anytime between like eight thirty and probably like
1: two o'clock in the morning, that Friday, there's going to be action. So woo, Rob, let's go. Let's oh. go, man. That's what we love. All right, Rusty, we're going to let you go, man. <laughs> uh, good luck with the event. Anybody that wants to, to sign up, anybody that's interested, go to Facebook, search it. You'll be able to find it on there. Rusty, good luck. We hope you sell out, man. We hope that it becomes something bigger as it goes on. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get in touch about setting up for the action on that Friday night. But, uh, Good luck with running the event, man.
7: You got it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, we'll definitely have you back to talk some college bowling over the winter, if that's okay with you.
7: I look forward to it. Thanks again. All
1: right. Cool. No doubt. Take it easy. Take care. Rob. All right. So, Rob, you know, that's a hell of an event right there.
0: Yeah, uh I'm I'm surprised it hasn't filled up already, but I I'm I'm assuming after we we do this podcast and people are going to be listening going, "Man, like I'm only a couple hour drive from there, like let me get a team together and put $200, Mike, to go there and like dude, unlimited brackets." Mike, I'm I'm salvating, Like I I wish I was in, you know, that area and I was able to I would definitely put a team together and you could bet your ass I'd be looking for a PBA national a national mm-hmm. titleist that's not bowling you know uh the swing
1: yeah absolutely i mean i and like i said i like the fact that you know they're allowing some some national tour guys to bowl i think that that's important you know i think if uh you know if they're free and they can make it and the event has a good reputation of being run well and and you know whatever they say it is it is yeah i think that a lot of these guys will show up so i'm gonna look for that to grow in the future i honestly i wish i could bowl If there's anybody out there who wants to put together a sweep the rack team, I'm right in central Jersey. So get it us, hit me up, you know, email us, let let me know I'm down. Let's talk. So, uh, Rob, we're going to wrap it up for the people tonight. Uh, we, a lot going on on this episode, man. Tang brothers interview, winning 400,000 gambling, buying houses in Vegas, talking sneakers, right? We had Mitch Hupe and AJ Chapman talking to some of the young bulls on the PBA tour uh PBA league coming up. We gave the people the news of the week. You know, we we had our top ten list of of reasons you know you're bowling an amateur tournament and then the cherry on top of uh of of promoting this great team event that uh is trying to be brought back to life here. So uh man, packed episode for the people tonight, Rob. Yeah, I'm still
0: kind of thinking about that team tournament and how how great that's gonna be, uh especially if they put out some really hard shots and the bracket action, you know, two, three, four hundred 400 brackets and you're bowling 550 and 575 and you're making money. So you guys need to go check that out, especially if you're in that area, you know.
1: Yeah, I feel I, I'll be honest, man. I kind of feel like the the kid who gets picked last or doesn't get picked at all at the playground basketball game. You know what I'm saying? Because like there's several people I know that I'm, nah, I'm not going to say tight with, but friends with friendly with bowling, you know, community wise. And yeah, they're putting teams in, and nobody asked me to bowl, Rob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what do you? I don't know. I don't know what do you think that says, man. Man, you must be. They must be dumpster diving at the tournaments that you're bowling in. Yeah, they must be. Oh man, I I understand. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe the uh, maybe the possibility still exists. We'll see a sweep direct team. But, Rob, we just want to uh, tell the listeners, as always. Get at us. Let us know you think of the show. There's people you want to hear from in the bowling community. If you are somebody in the bowling community that has something to say, hit us up. Get at us. We're not that hard to reach out to. Uh, sweeptheracketgmail.com is our email. Get at us. Hit us up. Let us know. We'll be more than willing to uh, give the people what they want. We're a podcast to the people, Rob. We say it all the time. Uh, homie, have a good week. I, the next time we talk, it might be in Maine, no? Yeah, as a
0: possibility if we depending on what we do with the PBA review uh league show, but yeah, it could it'll be the first time we've been uh actually together doing maybe a podcast live
1: from Portland, man. You know, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, we'll have to see how things shape up here, but uh we'll keep the people in touch and in tune. Oh, last thing, Rob, we forgot about this all the time and we, we caught heat for it on Twitter. We gotta give a shout to the person who won our first contest. Hmm. That's right. Yeah, the Bill uh, uh what was it sports memorabilia? Yeah, so uh I have it in my possession. I'm getting ready to mail it out uh tomorrow. And yeah, it's actually a great prize, man. A, a signed bowling ball from Bill uh with an autographed card in there as well. So uh the winner of our contest was Casey mattingly uh from Kentucky. So we want to give a shout to him, Rob. He's pretty much been listening to us from like episode 1. And uh, he's somebody that reached out to us. You know, we did it by random draw. There weren't that many entries for our first contest, but they were all definitely uh, longtime fans of, of Sweep the Rack. So we're glad to award them with the prize, and, uh, and we're glad Casey won it, That a longtime listener won it. So shout to Casey on that. And, uh, Rob, we'll wrap it up there, man. Sweep the Rack, doing big things. Uh, ha- have a good week, and, and we'll definitely be in touch with the people, yes? Yes, we'll see you guys in Portland. Okay. All right, man.
0: Flow Bowling presents Sweep the Rack podcast, featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.